Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Foundations Church Podcast, Tuesday, June 26th, 28th, whatever. Hey, what's up, Foundations Church? I'm Bobby, and welcome to the podcast. Before we get to the sermon, here's what's happening right now at Foundations Church. Okay, so FC Kids at the Movies is this Friday, July 1st. We're going to hit up Finding Dory at the AMC 20 Theaters at 41st and Yale. We'll do a morning time slot, but since they don't post Friday showtimes till later on in the week, we are going to post the exact time that we're going to go to the movie on our Facebook page on Thursday, so check back then and come join us if you're available. We'll grab lunch afterwards at Chick-fil-A, which... Okay, look, I know, I know. What's the point of a hamburger without red meat? It's a ridiculous business model. It'll never work. Wait, where was I? Oh, yeah. Finding Dory, Friday morning, lunch at Chick-fil-A afterwards. Yeah. All right, so this weekend is July 4th, Independence Day, the lake... Fireworks, float trips, country music, the woiks. Well, don't fear, we are not canceling service. We'll be serving up a massive helping of patriotic redneckery with Justin preaching his final redneck sermon. So if you're in town, come on down and worship with us this Sunday. Speaking of redneckery, we're done with our announcements, y'all. As always, hit us up on foundationschurch.tv or on Facebook with comments or suggestions for the podcast. Now, here's Pastor Justin Graves. Here today. Give it up for the worship team one more time. Awesome, awesome job. They do a fantastic job every, every week. Hey, it's good to see everybody today. We're going to keep the lights on and get ready to do a little disco right now. Um, but uh, my name is Justin Graves. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and we want to welcome you to Foundation Church. Before we get going into our message, I, I just want to share with you real quick, I know what next week is. Next week is 4th of July weekend. Fourth of July is on a Monday. That means you have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. I know that means a lot of you are going to be gone Sunday, um, but just so you know, we are not taking that Sunday off here at Foundation Church. In fact, I'll be here speaking still next Sunday, and we would love, I know there'll be a lot of family that's coming in from out of town. We would love for you to bring them with you if you're in town. Um, if you're not in town, you can also tune in online and watch our, our live event that we have online. But just to let you know, we still want you to come on 4th of July. We're going to be here. It's not like when, when, when holidays happen that we're just like, you know what, we're just going to stink this week and not put much effort in. Um, we will still be on our A game and we'll be wrapping up our series next week of Redneck. So I just want to let you guys know that today I'm going to speak to you on honeybee and the redneck drift. Honeybee 
and the Redneck Drift. Um, I, I love this song that Blake Shelton has done and that our band did. You know, you, you be my honeysuckle and I'll be your honey bee. You be my little Loretta, I'll be your Conway Twitty. Some of you old country people know what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, um, little Conway Twitty. Anyways, um, you know... When you're, when you're dating, and today, I'm just going to be real transparent and real today, okay? So I hope that's fine. I totally believe we can have fun and God still change lives. Um, but when you get, when, when you're in a relationship and everything's new, this song makes sense, doesn't it? You're just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you are my honey bee, boy. You know, now it's, you're my boo. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to say it anyways. You're my boo. You know, um, you're just like, you know, you are my little Loretta girl. Woo, look at you. You make my tea sweet. You know, um, we, 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 we feel this, and, and, it's, and, 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 and we, we just think, yes, we, we become that couple that makes other couples throw up in their mouths. You know, we've all been there. We've all been there. But then... You kind of stay together for a while. You, you get married. You have kids. You don't have kids. Either way, you, you just go through life, and life happens, and the honeymoon's done with, and you're working, and, and life is just life, and the song does, it's a cute song, but you don't feel like this. And you don't dare nod your head right now because that's not good, okay? Don't be like, oh yeah, I'm there. That's me right now. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't nod right now. Um, I'm trying to help you out right now. But we, 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 we just kind of drift, don't we? It's not anything that you can look at and point at. It's not anything intentional. You just kind of drift. I remember when Casey and I got married. When we got married, Casey's like, thing that she was looking most forward to was cuddling at night. Like just, we're gonna sleep and cuddle like this, you know? And I'm, I, I, I can cuddle, I will hold hands, but when it's time to sleep, it's time to sleep, folks. And when Casey, like her, she can put her hand on me, even now, and I'm like, you're making me hot. You're making me, girl, you're making me hot. You know, um, I'm like, better get your hand off. And all this is coming over. You know, it just, I start sweating. And so now, like early on into our marriage, I like made a wall of covers, of blankets. You know, I'm like, don't come across. I don't want to feel your body heat transmitting through the sheets and the blankets because you're going to make me hot. And still, I mean, we still do this and I still wake up like once a week sweating. I'm like, I'm getting up, I'm hot. And she's like, what? I'm not even touching you. I'm like, I know it's not you, it's me, babe. It's not you, it's me. Um, and, and she thought this and we've worked it out. We're good, everything's great. But I mean, still we'll kiss and I mean, boom, it's, it's over here and she's over there. And drifting just naturally occurs. In fact, here's what drifting means. Here's the definition of drift. A gradual shift in position, an aimless course to become carried along subject to no guidance or control. I love the last part of that. To become carried along subject to no guidance or control, an aimless course. And there's, there's, there's a great story that happened in Florida about what drifting looks like redneck style. 
Um, it happened in 2010 in Tampa Bay at the Bel Air Beach in Florida. The U.S. Coast Guard reports a Largo man got drunk on a pool float and drifted a mile out into the Gulf unconscious before finally being spotted by a Good Samaritan. This gets so good. Um, the man identified as 48-year-old Jerry Whiffle. So, so Whiffle, let me say this. Wisdom doesn't come with age. This guy's 48 years old. So let me, let's, just, let's just do this, and we'll create a new term. Don't pull a Whiffle, okay? Jerry Whipple, at 48 years old, was found around 12.30 Wednesday afternoon, more than a mile off the coast of Bel Air Beach. He didn't respond to our boat horns. He didn't respond to our yells, and we were pretty close, says boater Tim Ramsberger of Treasure Island. At first, we thought it was just some kind of debris floating in the water. Ramsberger called 911 after making the discovery, thinking the man might be dead. Uh, the Coast Guard crews arrived and said they found the man to be severely intoxicated after waking up. He, he was sitting on a small pool raft. I can just picture this. He had no idea where he was. He didn't know what time of day it was or how long he was out for or even how far offshore he was, says Petty Officer Brody McDonald of the U.S. Coast Guard. The winds, were blow, the winds were blowing him further out, and really it's quite lucky he's still alive today. Whipple was transported to a local hospital and released, and no word yet of if he'll face any charges. Don't pull a Whipple this next weekend when you're at the lake. Don't do it. But, but it's a great picture of what drifting is. He was just on an aimless course. He, he, would, he had no guidance. There was no, he just drifted. And, and this feeds into our first point today, and it's simply this, and it's just true. Drifting requires no effort. No effort at all. Man, man Wiffle, he didn't have to paddle out there. Did he? He, didn't, he didn't have to like work to get out a mile out of shore. No, no, he just had a good time. Probably listened to some Jimmy Buffett. It's five o'clock somewhere. You know, he was cheeseburger in paradise listening to it and he just drifted. And he was lucky, but here's the thing. Many times when we start drifting in life, we're not quite so lucky, are we? In fact, drifting just happens. It's just a natural occurrence in life. For example, when you have a car, when you have a car, when you get tires or when you're getting maintenance done or the oil change, you get your car aligned because the natural tendency after a while for every car is for it to drift a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. It's just a common occurrence because of the bumps, because of life, because of the wear and tear on the tires. You just start drifting. But the way that you align the car is that you put time, you put effort. Most of us, we put finances to have an expert align our car so that it drives like it was meant to drive. And you and I, it is in our nature to drift. It's just part of it, in all kinds of aspects of our life. When it came to you starting to save or you starting to invest in a 401k or a Roth IRA, you didn't just drift that way. 
You didn't just say, you know what, I'm gonna max out my Roth IRA. How'd you do it? Well, I just kind of drifted there. No, no, that didn't, it just kind of happened. No, you didn't just happen. You, you disciplined, you, you made that happen. But the opposite is very true, isn't it? We, we drift so easily into debt. It just kind of happens. We just getting those airline miles, you know, and, and we just, we just were having a party and we just drift. I don't know how I'm $25,000 in debt. You know, I didn't buy any major, you just drifted there time over time over time. You drifted. It, it just, it happens. It, it just happens. Like, like when, when, when you, when you are, are fallen Lord, you don't drift into righteousness. You don't drift into holiness, but you know where you drift really easily into? Sin. It, it just occurs. And here's what the writers of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter two, verse one. It says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. See, our problem isn't knowing what we should do. Our problem isn't knowing the truth. Our problem is we haven't listened very carefully. And when I need to listen very carefully, I have to stop everything else I'm doing so that I hear it clearly and I am making eye contact. It's like talking to your kids. You're like, no, eyes here, eyes here, eyes here, 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 right here. And, and they have to stop what they're doing so that you can clearly communicate, so you can listen carefully. And some of us, we know the truth, but we haven't listened to the truth carefully. And as a result, we have drifted. I love what Charles Stanley says. He says, when we lack direction, we don't simply stagnate. We continue to move usually in an unhealthy direction. When we lack direction, we don't just stay there, we don't just idle, we don't stagnate, we continue to move, to move, and usually it's in an unhealthy direction. And can I tell you, that's us for a lot of us in our relationship. We, we just kind of drifted, and we, and we didn't just stay where we used to be, did we? No, 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 we, we, we drifted into a bad, into a dangerous place, in our relationship, in our marriage, we've just drifted. And today, I, I, I will tell you, I, I totally believe this, that complacency in a marriage kills more marriages than anything else. Complacency in a marriage kills more marriages than affairs because when you become complacent, that's when everything else has a chance in, to come in and creep into your life. We just gradually drift there. And I want to give you five things that kind of give you a clue if you're drifting in your relationship. Whether you're married, whether you're engaged, five things real quick to just say, man, you know what? We're, we're kind of drifting apart and we need to correct the course. We need to correct the drift. The first thing is this, is that there's less intimacy. And, and right here on this point, I know when we say intimacy, we're like, uh-oh, that's code word in the church for something else. Brown chicken, brown cow. You know, that's not the case today. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, you're like, wow, brown chicken. Ah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, when I'm talking about there's less intimacy, you don't hold hands anymore. Man, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not making each other laugh. You're not hugging. You're not touching each other. 
There's no connecting points. You're just not intimate. It's like you're two people that don't have anything in common. There's, there's less intimacy. And that happens usually not because of something big, but we just gradually drift in different directions and we start doing life apart instead of together. And you weren't meant to do life apart from your spouse. You were meant to walk through life together. There, there's less intimacy. The second thing is there's a lack of communication. You talk, but you don't communicate. There's a difference between talking and communicating. Communicating means you're actually talking about something and the other person is actually listening, fellas. It means we listen. It means we talk about, here it comes, guys, you're gonna hate me. You talk about your feelings. Oh, dang it, he just said feelings. Don't say that. And you let her talk about her feelings and talk about her feelings and talk about her feelings and you listen. I got it, I, I got it, no, you listen. You don't kinda, I, 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 get, I get it, I hear your feelings, I hear what you said, no. There, there's communication. You know what, if, there's, if you're drifting, you're not communicating. If you're drifting, you have, you're not spending one-on-one -on -one time together. The moment you get one-on-one -on -one time, you're filling it with somebody else besides your spouse. You're like, oh, I'm gonna call my boys, I'm gonna call my girls, or, or we're gonna go out with this group. Or, and, and listen, I'm, I'm a fan of double dating. I'm a fan of, uh, of going out with groups and having you know, bro time and girl time. I'm a fan of all that. But you have to have one-on-one -on -one time with your spouse, too. Most of the time, the moment we get it, we fill it up, and we're like, well, we just never have time to spend together. Yes, you do, but you've drifted apart because there's no one-on-one -on -one time. You haven't made it a, a, a thing. You haven't made it happen. Other thing is there's frequent fights. You fight more than you laugh. You fight more than you're communicating and you're talking. You name call, you yell, you do all that. There's more fights than there is laughter. You're starting to drift apart. And the last thing I would tell you is that you stop dreaming together. You stop talking about the future. We've, we've, we've drifted. And a lot of us in our marriages, you've drifted. A lot of us in our relationships, You've, you've just drifted and it's not anything intentional. It just happens because you get busy and you get busy living life and with the kids and at the job and there's all these pressures and all these things pulling at us and you just have drifted. And the psalmist says this in Psalms 141 verse four, it says, don't let me drift towards evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. And you and I, it's so easy to get complacent and to drift when it comes to the area of sin. And you know, that's, a, that's not a popular thing for pastors to talk about, sin, because it makes people feel uncomfortable. It makes people feel like, oh, you're judging me. And oh, no, no, I'm not. But you know why? We, we don't. We don't drift towards righteousness. We, we don't drift towards holiness but we, we very much drift towards complacency in our relationship with God. We do easily drift towards sin, and when we drift and when we allow sin to come in, you know what we do? We excuse it. We excuse it, and we say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a thing, but the Bible says this. It's the small foxes, it's the small things that spoil the vine. It's letting the little 
compromises. It's letting the little things in. Do you know what sin is? Like a lot of times we've grown up hearing this word sin, but we don't know what it is. Sin comes from an old Hebrew term for archers. Um, A Hebrew archer, when he would go to pull his bow and arrow back and he would shoot it, he's aiming for the bullseye. And when it hit the bullseye, like any archer, you know, you're celebrating, you're rejoicing, you're excited. But when he would miss the bullseye, that archer would call it a sin. Whether it was missed by a millimeter or he missed the target altogether, he would term that miss a sin. And can I tell you, God has a bullseye for your life and for my life. He has created us in our innermost beings. He knows what our strengths is. He knows what our weaknesses is. He knows what your habits are. He knows what your marriage looks like. And he has a bullseye for every area, for every part you want to compartmentalize in your life. He has a bullseye for it. And he's saying, man, just hit this because you're operating in the sweet spot of your life. But when you and I miss that, when we allow ourselves to drift, whether it's a little bit or it's a lot, that's what is called sin. And Paul said this in Colossians chapter one, verse 23. It says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Everybody say firmly. Let's try that one more time. Firmly. There we go. You got to, you have to continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. A lot of us, we've just drifted away. When we come to Christ, when we come to relationship with them, it's so passionate. There's so much change We were so hungry, and yet we drift from that, and we just excuse it of, well, that's you know, that's just the new wearing off. That's just that's just the way a a mature follower of Christ what their life looks like. But that's totally not biblical. When you look at what the when you look at the disciples, their passion grew greater the longer they knew Jesus, not less. They didn't drift away from him. They drew nearer to him. And and for you and I, man, if, if our relationship with God is growing complacent, I can almost guarantee you your marriage is growing complacent. If you've drifted in your relationship with the Lord, it's gonna be impossible for you to have a godly, God blessed marriage if your personal relationship with the Lord isn't where it needs to be. So, how do we change it? How do we change the drift? How do we change the drift in our personal life? How do we change the drift in our finances? How do we change the drift in our habits? How do we change the drift in our personal relationship with the Lord? Well, we understand that priorities set the directions for our life. Priorities set the direction for your life. I could ask everyone here, what are your priorities? And they would look a little different based on what stage of life you're in. But for a lot of us here, most of us, they would look similar. 
And if I asked about 95% of you would probably say the same thing. Or if I said, give me your priorities, and we would do the Sunday school answer, Jesus, 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 you know, because Jesus is what you always say if they asked you something in Sunday school and it was always the answer, and still it works today. But, you know, if I asked you your, your priorities, we would put God first. Most of us would say that. And then because we know we're supposed to, we would say our spouse second. And then after that, we would put our kids, and then we would put somewhere in there our health, our friends, our job, our finances, all that sort of stuff. And, and here's the interesting thing to, to me, is that I, I listed these priorities out. You know, God, your spouse, and then your kids. And can I tell you, let me talk to all my married people with kids, without kids, engaged couples, this is huge for you. You've got to keep that priority right there, spouse, then kids, you gotta keep that straight. And I get, I get pushback on this all the time, on this point that I'm telling you right now. But, but hear me, I'm not trying to make you mad, I'm not arguing with you, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, verse four through six. Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Time out for a second. All you mama's boys that are married, you need to stop being a mama's boy. Your, your wife comes before mama. Oh, mama don't like that, but that's the reality of the situation. All of you daddy's girls, listen to me. I've got two girls. I want them to be daddy's girls for the rest of their life. But their husband, once they get married, has got to come before their daddy. That's why you leave your, your, your father and mother is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one, let no one that includes kids split apart what God has joined together. And many times what I see, what I see happen is we let our kids come between our spouse instead of become a part of the family structure, they are the whole family. And it's nothing that we do bad, it's not that we have bad intentions, but we are allowing our kids to become between us and our spouse and we start drifting apart. This is why there is, the divorce rate is really high for couples who have young kids, and then that's a reason why the divorce rate is really high when the nest is empty. The empty nesters, because they just allow themselves to drift apart. And I'm telling, I, I'm not, hear me. Where there's a strong marriage, there is a strong family structure. But where there's not a strong marriage, very seldom is there a strong family structure. And you've got to make sure you get your priorities right on this one. Because it's huge, it, it, it's, it's massive. Because understand this, and we've said this all the way, we, we can make priorities, we can say these are my priorities, but how we spend our time really dictates what your priority is. And some of us, we spend time at work, and I understand, we all have to work, we all should work, I, I get that. But, but hear me, if you're spending more time than you need to work, you're saying that is my priority over my spouse, over my family, over my relationship with the Lord. The number one thing followers of Christ struggle with is spending daily time 
in a devotion with the Lord. It's true. This has no age limit on it. We have all the free time in the world, and we say, well, I don't have any time to spend with the Lord. But we say he's our priority, but our time says something else. We have to understand that the way that we spend our priorities, the things that we truly make our priorities, it has a trickle-down effect. I love this, I just like this saying, it says we don't drift into good directions, we prioritize and discipline ourselves there. We don't drift in good directions, but we prioritize and discipline our lives there. When we get our priorities right, when we get the top priority right and the second priority right, and the, man, everything else starts to flow right when my priorities are right. It's almost like building a house. When you build a house, you've gotta make sure that the very ground floor from moving the dirt, it's not sexy, it's not fun, but you get the pad set, you get the foundation set, because if you don't get the foundation right when you build a house, it's going to be dysfunctional all the rest of the way. And when you don't get your top priority right with the Lord, when you keep drifting into sin and you get complacent in your relationship with the Lord, you start getting complacent in being the husband that God's called you to be. You can't be Ephesians 5 husband that's loving your spouse sacrificially and, and selflessly, husbands. You can't do that. You can't love your bride like Christ loved the church that he commands us to do in Ephesians 5. Why? Because your relationship is complacent with your heavenly father. And if you don't get that right, everything else is not going to flow right. Your whole life Life is going to be dysfunctional. And so this is a big deal because our priorities set the rest of the direction, set the rest of the path that our lives are going to be built on. And we gotta get this right, men. Wives, we gotta get this right. That you're loving the Lord so that when your husband comes in and he's stressed out and he's cranky, you don't be like, you can't talk to me. No, 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 you're forgiving. You show grace, you show mercy. That you, you're loving your husband like the Lord's instructed us. To, you can't love your kids. If you're, I'm just telling, this is so huge. And we drift from this point. We miss this point. For some of us, this is a, a comeback moment. This, this, it, it's, just, it's big. I, I read this story the other day, um, and it fits so perfectly here. It says, I have a friend named Larry, who's a retired Air Force pilot. One day, he shared with me an interesting fact about flying. He said that for every single degree you fly off course, you will miss your target landing spot by about 92 feet for every mile you fly. That amounts to about one mile off target for every 60 miles flown. If you decide to start at the equator and fly around the Earth one degree off, would land you almost 500 miles off target. So the longer you travel off course, the further you will be away from your intended target, from the bullseye. Is that acceptable? Not if I'm flying in a plane. <laughs> On a flight from JFK to LAX, that might put me 40 miles out into the Pacific Ocean. One degree off could be the difference between making it to an important meeting on time or using my seat as a flotation device. What are you accepting in your life? What is your tolerance for being off course? Jim Rohn once related that neither a marriage nor a business fails overnight. 
Cataclysmic failure generally, generally comes from a series of small, correctable failures. And I like to call these failures one degree failures. Just as it's hard to recognize being one degree off while flying at 30,000 feet, it's hard to realize these one degree failures in our own daily lives. That's why we need a crystal clear flight plan for our life and business. An easy way to measure success or failure and someone who cares enough about us to hold us accountable. Straying off course doesn't have to result in cataclysmic failure in life or business. Anyone can make in-flight adjustments along the way. And for some of us, it's nothing we've done intentional. We've just gotten off course one degree. We've just drifted one degree. And yet it's affected so much because we've been flying one degree off for so long. And this morning, you need to make an in-flight adjustment. The Bible says this, and I'm closing with this verse. It says this out of Romans. It says, Romans 12, verse one, out of the message, and this is how we make our in-flight correction. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I wanna read this one more time because this is, this is the plan. This is how you stop drifting. This is how you make that, that in-flight correction is that you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and you place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Your everyday life is what makes all the difference in the world. It's being the husband you should be every day. It's being the, the mom you should be every day, the wife you should be every day. It's being the kid you should be every day. God's got a bullseye for us to hit every day. And yes, there is grace and there is mercy and there is forgiveness. Thank God for when we don't hit it because we can't do it on our own. But Paul is saying this, if you're gonna live the life that God has called you to, man, you gotta lay your life down every day before the altar. In Old Testament times, when they would bring in an offering, they would put it on the altar and they would lay it there and it was not to be picked up again. It was just simply surrendered. So that God would be pleased with the offering, so that God would be pleased with the offering that was before him. And many times in the Old Testament, you would see him consume the offering. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. Paul's saying this, man, just lay your life down. Lay your priorities down that you've made your life all about and place it before him and let him consume your life and find out what are the priorities God wants you to have. Man, are you, are you hearing from God? Because can I tell you, hearing from God closes the gap of you drifting. Man, I, I, I can't be the person, the pastor, the friend, the husband, the, the dad that God has called me to be unless I'm taking time to hear from him. And that means I lay down my daily schedule to him and I say, you know what? This is my life. This is my everyday walking around life. And I place it before you, God, because I have to know what you're telling me, how you're asking me to spend it because that's gotta be my top priority because when my top priorities are right, the rest flows right. 
I can't let the enemy of drifting and complacency come in because it's claimed too many people for too long. And for some of you this morning, this is a wake-up call for your marriage. This is a wake-up call for your finances. It's a wake-up call for you being a mom and a dad or a kid or in your dating relationship. You've been drifting. You've been drifting to complacency. And God's saying, it's not. It, lay it down. Surrender it to me so that you can live out this life and you can hit the bullseye every time. Don't go through life one degree off because eventually, eventually it'll cost you. Lay it down and let's stop drifting. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And God, I ask right now that you would speak to our lives. I pray for every relationship in this place. Lord, for those that are engaged, and God, they are this honeybee couple, and they're just so close, and the, the butterflies are so real, and the goosebumps are still there. Lord, I pray that they would take these words and put them into practice. That, Lord, even now, they would start laying their everyday life before you and surrendering it to you so they can get the top priority because God, our priorities direct our lives. God, we don't just get in the direction we want, but we discipline and prioritize ourselves there. God, that's just truth. We don't, we don't just end up with good marriages. We don't just end up with great kids. We don't just end up being a great man of God by chance, by drifting. But we've got to take action. We've got to discipline. We've got to prioritize our lives to make us end up there. It's the choices we make, not the intentions we have, that get us to our final destination. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would wake us up because some of us, we haven't had bad intentions. We haven't had bad priorities, but we've just been off just a little bit. And we've drifted for long enough that we've drifted apart from you, from others, and from the things you've called us to. So Lord, I pray right now for every married couple in this place. If you're by your spouse, I want you to grab their hand real quick. For every spouse in this place, the Lord, they wouldn't be the spouse that they are capable of being on their own. Lord Jesus, they wouldn't be the spouse that it's easy to be. They wouldn't even be the spouse that they have been in the past, but they would be the spouse you are calling them to be. I pray that you would strengthen the marriages in this place so that you can strengthen the family structure. So you can strengthen our kids because our kids need to see what a healthy marriage looks like. Lord, I, I pray that you would let all of the couples and every person in here just surrender their life on a daily basis and place it before you and see what you would have them do. What are you speaking to us? What are you saying to us about us living our life out? Lord, I pray that we wouldn't drift any longer we would make an in-flight correction to hit the bullseye that you've called us for. In Jesus' name, I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, Justin, I'm here today. And the truth is, I've been missing the bullseye in my personal relationship with the Lord. 
Maybe it's by a lot and you've blown it big. Or maybe it's just you've gradually drifted away from the Lord. And today you need to come back. Today you need to start hitting the bullseye that God has for you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. And today, if that's you, I'm gonna count to three and all I'm gonna ask you to do is raise your hand and we're gonna lead you in a prayer that will change your life. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss your bullseye moment right now. But make the correction. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, yeah, that's me. There's one hand, there's two hands, there's three hands, there's four hands. Is there anyone else? You say, man, I need to make an in-flight correction. I've just been off, man, just a little bit. But I need to get things straightened back out. And you join these four hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further in this service? You just say, Justin, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I have. Man, I've been off. I've drifted. I've sinned but I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace, your love and mercy would enter my life. God, I turn away from the way I've been living my life and I take my everyday life and I surrender it to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Can we give these four individuals a raise their hand? A huge round of applause. What an awesome. Believe, belong, become. Join in our vision here at Foundations Church. Services are every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. And our youth service voltage is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more about us or to get plugged in, check us out online at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.